Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome Start Sit Fantasy Football Show, the Week Three Edition. I am Matt Kajeski here with my partner in crime, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajeski. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Our title sponsor today is Yahoo, and we are here, of course, answering all of your Start Sit fantasy football questions. So throw those into the chat before we get started. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. That is the best way to support us at Osmo.com. Let's see how many likes we can rack up today. But first things first, we had a Thursday night football game last night. Maybe not the most exciting game compared to the previous two, but we had the battle for Florida, the Miami Dolphins taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we'll briefly touch on that. For me, the biggest takeaway was we might have two more bell cows. I mean, James Robinson, he looks like the real deal. And it's, it's funny to see him kind of displace Leonard Fournette, former number four overall pick. But on the other side, Miles Gaskin, too, quietly handled a sizable workload for Miami. I think the, these guys might be useful going forward. Kyle, what say you on James Robinson, Miles Gaskin? Yeah, I really like James Robinson as like a deep pick in, you know, deeper best balls are trying to grab him off the waiver. I have, I'm disappointed. I have like one dynasty league. It's my home dynasty league that I care about the most. I didn't get him when uh, when the news came out that he could actually be a real a real threat to get carries. So disappointed because he does look like the legit real deal. And the thing we saw last night was that he was getting receptions out of the backfield. And I kind of pinned him as, a, you know, a, a talented but thumper between the tackles. It doesn't appear like that is all his role is going to be. He'll still split work with Chris Thompson as a pass catcher, but if he's going to be the entirety of the rushing attack for Jacksonville in terms of their running backs and then get a decent percentage of the targets out of the backfield, absolutely a guy you can rely on starting week in, week out. Gaskin, a little bit of a smaller sample of him being the clear lead back, but last night it was absolutely the case that no other back came close to his amount of carries. It was like 20 or 22, I believe. So Gaskin, you know, we haven't, we've seen it now three weeks in a row with Robinson. Gaskin split carries and end targets, although he had a lot of targets two weeks ago as well. A guy who I feel a little less confident in, but he should be rostered in every single fantasy league. You should be trying to get him and you should feel comfortable as a deeper flex option. I don't love him just because of the offense, but good enough that you can flex him for sure. Yeah, Miles Gaston, if we want to look at his workload, the guy has 22 carries. He didn't do much with those 66 yards, but he did look dynamic as a pass catcher. Five targets, turned those into five receptions, 29 yards, also drew a couple of penalties there. 
I, I think moving forward, Miles Gaskin is maybe someone you consider as a starter, but there's still concerns. Jordan Howard is the guy they brought in on the goal line to punch in that touchdown. Would have made Gaskin's stat line look far, far nicer overall. So I, like you said, I think there's still a few concerns with Gaskin. I think for the QBs, like Fitzpatrick is just an absolute reckless wild man out there, just running straight into linebackers. I, I don't know about the longevity of his career, but man, is he fun to watch. And then on the other side, Minshew, for everything we've seen with Minshew, the completion percentage is amazing, but he's just not throwing downfield with much propensity. If we look to, you know, last night's stats, 42 throws, he completes 30 of them. It's a great completion percentage, but like 275 yards, it's not, I think, what, what we're expecting. He's right around six and a half yards per attempt this year. So maybe even a little bit lower after last night's game, kind of in that Kyler Murray range, but I don't know anything from Minshew. Does that affect his pass catchers at all? Still looking forward to Chenault. Yeah, I, I'm excited about Chenault, but this offense does seem like he, he kind of reminds me the way that they're using him. Uh, Minshew, that is as uh, like Sam Darnold esque where especially if they're losing, how do they, how do they plan on coming back if they can't take shots downfield? And it did, it just seemed like a general unwillingness. I'm not sure if that's the offense. I'm not sure if that's the loss of DJ Chark, who would obviously, I think he runs like a four, three, something that's like over six, but he's a dude who his combination of size and speed is incredible. So maybe it's just that they didn't have the right weapons to go downfield, but Chark wasn't getting a great target share, at least before, you know, missing last week or last night anyways. So I would say, yeah, this offense is kind of, Bland, maybe it makes a good sense for some of their PPR guys, but really the receivers on this team are not awfully exciting. Minshew has some rushing equity, but yeah, I think this is a team that I just want to target James Robinson and probably move on. Chark is a guy who, even if he's healthy next week, is probably uh, you know a flex-worthy player at best just because of the way this offense is going to run, it appears. For sure. I, I'm not as excited about Minshew as I was maybe after week one or week two. Mm-hmm. But as we move forward through the show, we have a topical discussion. The first thing we'll talk about is injuries. We've gotten news, at least yesterday and today, that's pretty noteworthy for fantasy football start sits. But of course, if you guys have questions, throw those into the chat room. Kyle and I will answer all of your questions throughout the show. But first and foremost, we got news that Zach Moss is out. He's a toe injury. And that has been a pesky committee to start the year. We've seen Devin Singletary and Moss split the work basically one for one. It's a solid matchup against the Rams this week with a fairly high total, a game that projects for a lot of pace with the Bills actually projected to win that by a few points. What do we do with Singletary now that we have the news about Zach Moss? Yeah, Singletary is a guy who I was like, I was getting out from under as fast as I could if I had any of them after two weeks. Now it appears that he's a guy you can confidently start because it was just a a 1A, 1B with Zach Moss. And Zach Moss was getting some goal line work, getting a decent amount of like goal line red zone work. And that was kind of the problem going into the season with Singletary is you thought he is absolutely electric. Average, I think, over five yards per carry in his rookie season. But he was probably going to be a between the 20s and low pass catching volume guy because of the presence of Zach Moss, who looks like a like a he's built like a bowling ball, kind of a great guy to punch it in from the one yard line. Now they don't have that role. I expect I expect at least for a brief moment, Devin Singletary could actually be a, a high end RB2. And it's a game you talked about. This game should feature a decent amount of scoring. It should be a back and forth game. Singletary, I think, has enough juice as a pass catcher that he can at least get a few catches if his team does end up trailing. And I'm not sure who else they would be putting in. Like, did they sell TJ Yeldon? I don't. I can't imagine, despite the fact that you know maybe Singletary doesn't have the smoothest hands or the best route running. 
I don't see why you would get his playmaking ability off the field in favor of anyone other than Zach Moss on this team who now is out. So Singletary, maybe you're selling high after this one good week, but for now does look like a very startable, probably a RB2 at worst this week. For sure. I pulled up the Bills depth chart. So I have your verification. Yeldon is on the roster. They also have Taiwan Jones, who's more of like a gadgety fullback type. So yeah, yeah. I don't really expect either of them to siphon much work from Devin Singletary. I think you can confidently start him in this matchup where the Bills come in as decent favorites. As far as some other injury news we got, we still have Friday practice reports to decipher today. But as of Thursday, Christian Kirk hadn't practiced. That's another game environment with a huge total. It's sitting right around 55 points, depending on your sports book. It's the Detroit Lions taking on the Arizona Cardinals with the Cardinals is pretty sizable favorites running 75 and a half plays per game. My question is, you know, there's a lot of wide receivers that are already out. You know, Michael Thomas isn't expected to play with Christian Kirk now slated to miss some time. Are you considering Andy Isabella our hero from UMass, second-year pro, is he a streamer this week? Oh, am I considering Andy Isabella? I am getting him onto the back end of any roster. Like, I think the is it? I think it's the maybe the Osmo, you know, the inside Osmo fantasy league. Uh, we have two leagues too. We relegate too, which is sick. So I think that has a particularly short bench. I'm not getting him on my shortest benches, but if I play on teams where I can bench six, seven plus guys, Andy Isabella is a guy who I would love to have stashed. He's he's crazy fast. He runs a 4-3-1. He's small, but he still has that speed going for him. He was incredibly dominant at UMass, and he wasn't doing it on just these, like he wasn't just a run after the catcher, just like a short A-dot guy. He can get it done in all parts of the field. He had an upper percentile college dominator, upper percentile yards per reception, a breakout age under 20. There's like the Andy Isabella profile was incredible coming out of college. He doesn't get used in his rookie season, save for a few plays, but his yards per target since entering the NFL has been off the charts. My only concern is that Christian Kirk wasn't getting a ton of usage. So is Andy Isabella stepping into a role we actually care about? I don't know, maybe, probably not. But if he pops off this week, he's a guy who could push for more playing time. I know they have a pretty solidified starting three receivers, but Kirk hasn't been anything special in the Kyler Murray era. So maybe, you know, if Andy Isabella really has a good game, he could push Kirk for some playing time. I'd like to have Isabella roster, but in, in reality, he is at best like pushing for some work as the number three or four receiver once Kirk returns. I love Isabella. If I have the roster space, I'd like to get him on there, but he's not a priority pickup for me. And I love Isabella, I swear. Yeah, if you're picking up Isabella, I think he's a one-week rental. And as for the, do you think you can start him this week? I think he'd be a dart throw. I mean, there are teams that have a lot of injuries. If you, if you yeah. rostered one of the San Francisco backs and McCaffrey, maybe you're looking at one of these complete dart throws in a flex, a flex spot. You could certainly find worse places with Isabella. Again, the game environment for him is fantastic against Detroit. And as far as Andy Isabella's role on Arizona, we haven't really seen them use any other receivers other than Hopkins, Kirk, and Fitzgerald. Isabella, among wide receivers specifically, is actually fourth on that team in routes. I know he he's like has barely eclipsed 20, but I do think he steps up one for one. How about we get to a couple other wide receivers with Injuries to monitor. And again, this is a huge question, particularly Devontae Adams, Julio Jones. Both of them look like they will be game time decisions coming into this week. There's a lot of pessimism in particular around Devontae Adams, but he plays in this, the Sunday night game. My question first, if you roster Devontae Adams, are you potentially looking maybe to the waiver wire right now at a potential streamer at the wide receiver position. This is a conversation that's maybe a little overarching when we deal with guys that are game time decisions on Sunday night football, Monday night football. 
And then I guess after we talk about that, who are you looking to in the Packers wide receiver room that could maybe step up? Yeah, for Devontae Adams, with a, like in some scenarios, I feel fairly confident that the the risk is overblown in a sense. I feel, you know, we don't have them on our show sheet because I do feel confident that the Raiders guys, both Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, are more or less just banged up and getting rest. I don't think they've practiced this week, but they come off of a, you know, the the late slate game. So they're probably getting rested. Devontae Adams doesn't look great to play. So when the risk appears very real for a guy like Adams as opposed to Jacobs and Waller, I am making contingency plans and honestly just preparing for him to be out because the worst thing you could that could possibly happen is you get stuck with a zero. Like the downside risk is so incredible that I have to basically rule that risk out entirely. If Lazard or MVS are available, absolutely, I'm getting those guys. I would look to MVS. I kind of... I, I'm favorable to Lazard, but the, you know, the target data doesn't lie. MBS has, he out-targeted him last week. I think they played a similar amount of receiving snaps and he has a bit of a higher ADOT and Rogers has been looking good on those deep balls. And he's, you know, he's a, still a talented quarterback. I think his, the, the rumors of his demise have certainly been overblown based on two weeks of incredible football. So if MBS is out there, certainly you're trying to pick him up. Outside of that, Isabel is probably actually one of the better spot starters. You could look to a KJ Hamler because Judy is banged up and obviously Sutton is out. So maybe that's another spot you go. But there are a handful of young guys you could pick up and get a spot start. I'm not sure Isabella or Hamler are long-term solutions. But this week, I don't know. It, it makes sense to go to those guys. First and foremost, though, if MBS or Lazard are available, those are probably the premium pickups. Agreed. There's a couple questions starting to trickle in in the chat. Thank you guys for those. If you have them, throw them out there. Todd Gurley versus Leonard Fournette at flex. It is a half point PPR. It's a pretty easy decision for me. I'll still go with Todd Gurley. I like the opportunity share a little bit better for him this week. Leonard Fournette, I still think he's going to be in some sort of touch squeeze with Ronald Jones and LaShawn McCoy. Just really hard to predict the opportunity share for those Tampa Bay backs at this point. What do you think about that situation? Yeah, I'm going to lean on the opportunity and the opportunity share. Ronald Jones probably getting pushed for his role. Clearly, he was uh, he kind of got benched after I think he dropped the catch and he might have fumbled too. But I don't think we see zero touches for him, whereas the, the backups to Todd Gurley are significantly lesser in talent. Even LaShawn McCoy getting a handful of targets out of the backfield really does hamper the upside of a guy like Fournette. You really do need him to find the end zone. We could see a handful of catches, as always, with uh, you know any running back in Atlanta. So I'm not awfully excited about either of these guys, but I'm just going to lean on the volume until something leads me otherwise with Todd Gurley. All right. We have another question. There's five options. Well, excuse me. It looks like six options for a flex spot PPR league, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, Jeff Wilson, Deshaun Jackson, JK Dobbins, or Deandre Swift. For me in that flex spot, it's between Jeff Wilson, Deshaun Jackson, and I'm going to lean on Deshaun Jackson as the only wide receiver really left in Philadelphia right now. We saw a huge jump in his routes run as well as targets. Jalen Rieger's gone. I know they he's still probably the number three receiver behind Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, but Zach, Deshaun Jackson is an every down player. Jeff Wilson, I think, is interesting because we've seen him actually handle a sizable workload in the past. And of course, in that situation, we don't have Tevin Coleman or Raheem Mostert. So he's interesting too. What do you think between Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, Jeff Wilson, Deshaun Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, and DeAndre Swift? Hope you can keep all those straight. Yeah, it's easy because there are a handful of guys I can just rule out as I hear their names come through. And that 
that filters up to Sean Jackson for me, number two in the NFL in air yards. Uh, should be a decent game environment against, you know, not a Cincinnati defense that we're afraid of. And they play they play exciting football. Cincinnati does. I don't know if it's good football, but at least they pass a lot so they can keep the game going. So I would say Deshaun Jackson would be my number one. I, I split the difference at Malcolm Brown over Jeff Wilson. I really just think Malcolm Brown will play a similar role to Jeff Wilson, but in a game environment that I think he has much more touchdown upside. And on offense, I'm undoubtedly more excited about given that uh, we're going to see Nick Mullen start for San Francisco. I think both those guys play a similar role. I would just lean towards the better offense. And then I'd say probably Wilson over Henderson. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Just because we've seen basically one season and a game or two of Henderson not being in, in, a, in a game of Henderson not being involved and one game of him being involved. I, I like Henderson as a prospect, but he has one game on his NFL career of getting a meaningful amount of usage. And I just can't feel confident playing that yet. Yeah, I, I agree that that's also why I'm not very comfortable starting Malcolm Brown. It's Malcolm Brown has a larger sample than Henderson, of course, but really the one time we see Henderson get on the field, he plays well, it raises a question, at least, does Henderson get more looks moving forward because of his positive performance? I don't know that he does. Again, you really hit on Henderson hasn't done anything in his career, and then he has the one good game. How do they use him? I'm just not sure. So in that situation, it'll be DJX first, then Jeff Wilson for me. But I think you can certainly make the case for those L.A. backs. Non-PPR league, we have David Johnson, Robert Woods, or A.J. Green. That's a tough, it's a flex position, by the way. That's a tough call for me. It is probably going to be AJ Green still, just because of the volume being absolutely immense for AJ Green. I know Kyle and I are both pretty big on target the guys that get volume. Don't worry about variance in the long term. If you target the volume, you'll be fine. AJ Green is the most air yards in football. He's also easily leading this Bengals team in targets 22. If we want to look at, you know, Tyler Boyd, who's probably his most notable target competition. He's out targeted Tyler Boyd 22 to 13 so far. What do you think between David Johnson, Robert Woods and AJ Green? I would say Robert Woods, uh, David Johnson was the easy one for me to rule out here. Faces a, a tough yeah, I like defense. Woods too. It's close. Yeah, I like I'll lean again on the game environment, but you do have to admit that the air yards for AJ Green are just incredible. I believe the only player over 300 and he does get uh, like I think it's a fine match. Like I guess he'll, he'll probably face a lot of slay. I'm not awfully concerned about the cornerback matchup unless it is one of the elite cornerbacks. Like I think unless it falls to like Ramsey, essentially, I'm not too concerned. Even like Mark Cooper did fine against Ramsey because he got a ton of targets and that tends to happen like good good cornerbacks they they reduce the efficiency of their opposing players but they don't necessarily reduce the volume at all times so for me aj green i'll put robert woods over him because i like the offense a little more at least i like the scoring potential of the rams offense a little more but splitting hairs between those two guys and leave david johnson in the dust yeah for sure my one concern with the rams we've seen cincinnati go pass heavy basically regardless of game script and they are very likely to be down in this game. I mean, that's not good for touchdowns and things like that, but it means they should be throwing. We've seen the Rams completely abandon the pass game when they're leading. Now in this situation, the Rams are underdogs. So 
Vegas bookmakers, they are pointing to the Rams taking a, a pass heavier approach. But to this point, they're only passing about 43% of the time. That's led to 11 targets for Cooper Cup and just 13 for Robert Woods. So it's a concern, yes, but you make really good points, Kyle. I, I like the Robert Woods call as well. Uh, we have a Julio Jones situational question. If Julio Jones doesn't play, it's Harry or Landry. So I'm guessing this is Nikhil Harry and Jarvis Landry. In this situation, I actually prefer Nikhil Harry. And this, I mean, it might be crazy to say that at this point, but the opportunity share in New England is so condensed right now. Between Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry, we have Edelman 18 targets, Nikhil Harry 18 targets. Both are 29.5% target share. The A dot is very different for these players. Julian Edelman actually being used downfield, and Nikhil Harry has one of the shortest A dots in the NFL. But again, I'm going to lean on volume here. And if you're just playing this, you know, a flex position, Nikhil Harry, he doesn't specify whether it's PPR or not. In a PPR league specifically, I think we could rack up a lot of points. What do you think between Nikhil Harry or Jarvis Landry replacing Julio Jones? Yeah, I'm going to take Nikhil Harry as well. The volume is clearly there, uh, basically serving as the 1B, and you only give him that B credit because he's not quite given the, the air yards. Whereas, you know, Jarvis Landry in a similar situation, but not quite as a condensed offense, I don't believe. I, I think there are better threats like it tight end specifically, even as, uh, you know, running backs out of the backfield, Kareem Hunt, no slouch as a pass catcher, similar to James White filling that role. And we could even potentially be without James White. I know as of yesterday, I don't think he had returned. I'm not sure if you know if he had returned, but then you look at the overall offensive output. I just feel more comfortable that the New England offense is going to be outright better this week and, and most weeks than the Cleveland offense, which I don't hate, but I'm certainly not excited about, especially facing a tough Washington front seven. Yeah, I agree with that completely. A couple more starts at questions. There's a Leonard Fournette versus Mike Davis question. At this point, it's still going to be Mike Davis for me. And if we yes. want to talk about, uh, this is another guy we have in our injury situation. So I think we can kind of parlay this over into some running backs that are now replacing their starters. But Mike Davis in Carolina, he just has the one carry. That doesn't look great. But he received eight targets. It's everything I wanted Christian McCaffrey to be through the first two games here. And, you know, all it takes is a Christian McCaffrey injury for them to start actually targeting their running backs. But he runs around on 34% of Bridgewater dropbacks. This is a game that I know you and I quietly like against the Chargers to run a ton of plays. So I'll be looking at Mike Davis here. I think he's actually a pretty decent start at the running back position where I think people are a little more thin than others. What do you think between Fournette and Mike Davis? Yeah, ironically, Leonard Fournette last year. Imagine, you know, week, what, 15 of last year, if you said next year, you're going to say Mike Davis has a higher opportunity share than Leonard Fournette, you would have been, you know, mind blown. But at this point, absolutely. I don't see anyone else other than like a handful of Curtis Samuel gadget carries, which like, I think he even came out and said he still expects to play most of his time at wide receiver. So sure, you could project him for two to three carries maybe, but it's like LaVisca Chenault carries. It's not, uh, I don't know, there are really no running backs that do that. So yeah, I would say Mike Davis getting a ton of the backfield carries and all of the backfield targets as well. So I'm going to take the opportunity with Mike Davis and run with it. I agree. All right, guys, we'll continue to answer your questions. We're going to slowly roll through these matchup-based segments as well. So as we talk about players in bad matchups, I know mostly it's been injuries to this point, but we have a couple teams in some tough spots, particularly Houston's facing Pittsburgh. That's a game that just has a 45-point total. We've seen Pittsburgh's defense just be absolute clamps to start the year. Denver's taking on Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's defense is vastly improved, and Denver is dealing with, my goodness, the talent deficiency on that team at this point. 
I don't know how Denver's going to score any points against Tampa Bay. There's the Giants playing the 49ers, a depleted 49ers team, but a depleted Giants offense without Sterling Shepard. And Saquon Barkley, of course, another game with the lowest total on the board, 40 and a half points. When you see guys in these matchups, you know, like Deshaun Watson against Pittsburgh, are you ever considering benching those guys in these situations? Yeah, so normally I would say, like, I'm not considering benching my studs. Now, I would have considered Deshaun Watson a stud, and he's faced two defenses that I think matched up well against him. I can get pressure on him in the first two weeks, so maybe, but, like, that's not going to change this week. And so do I know without DeAndre Hopkins that Deshaun Watson is, like, a fantasy stud? I feel a bit wavering in that. It would really depend who's on the waiver wire. I would I would consider a guy like Joe Burrow or maybe Justin Herbert as guys you could play over him. Outside of that, like I'm not going to guys like Mitchell Trubisky who you are. That's probably who you're dealing with on the waiver wire. I'm not going that deep. I'm still taking Watson over him. But I would have him as like a fringe QB1, QB2 at this point right now. So there are guys who in the right matchup you could find on the waiver wire and play over him. Outside of that, I don't think there's any studs that I'm really going to bench because of the wrong matchup. Will Fuller sort of falls in that same range where I don't know if he's a stud. I know last week he dropped a zero. He was getting stretched out by the trainers on the sidelines, but he ended up being not on the injury report at all. So was that really a serious injury? It doesn't seem like it, but that just has me concerned that he was just bad in the matchup and he gets another tough matchup. So I'm probably still starting all of my studs and especially because, or I'm starting all of my Houston guys and especially because how many rosters right now are have made it through without injuries? Who are you going to if you're not playing Deshaun Watson, you're not playing Will Fuller? It's likely that I'm playing those guys. Denver, Noah Fant, the only guy I really feel confident in this offense is just going to be miserable. I agree. Typically, I'm not benching my studs. Deshaun Watson has been particularly bad in his offensive situation. Just, yeah. It's not doing him any favors right now. I don't think the returns on David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins have been great. Another question in the chat. We have a non-PPR league. Looks like it's a tight end position. Jonu Smith versus Evan Ingram. And man, I have some strong takes on Jonu Smith. I So this is an easy one for me. I'm still going to go Evan Ingram, not to mention he's basically one of the only healthy players in that offense. They're down Sterling Shepard. They're down Saquon Barkley, and they have to throw somebody. Now, with Jonu Smith's situation in particular, he looks fantastic because he scored a number of touchdowns. He has 12 targets on the year, and he's only running a route on 59.7 of Ryan Tannehill's dropbacks. And now, Kyle, how many times does Ryan Tannehill drop back a game? Um, I'm going to – do you have the number? I'm going to guess less than – it's like less than 27? It's got to be – is it less than 25 a game? So, so we're, we're dealing with a really small sample here. He dropped back 27 times last week. and 27, there we go. When they're in positive – this varies based on game script, of course, for the Titans. But when they're in positive game script, they run a very slow – and run heavy offense, of course, and they're favored by two and a half points over Minnesota here. This projects to be a large Derrick Henry game. So Johnu Smith, five targets last week, ends up with the score. That looks really nice on paper, but I don't think it's projectable going forward. And if you play Johnu Smith over a guy like Evan Ingram, you're hoping for more touchdown variants. With Ingram, sure, maybe they don't score any more points, but Ingram's a guy who's on the field every single play and has a much, much higher target share in that offense, an offense that runs faster and more plays per game. So that's going to be the, the answer for me. Do you have a different take? No, you, you nailed it. Anytime that I see the Titans without A.J. Brown as favorites, I am benching every single part of their passing game just starting Derrick Henry because we know what they want to do. You talked about it. We know exactly what they want to do. They want to get a lead. They have a, a solid enough defense that they can probably hold lesser opponents at bay, like Minnesota, clearly a, a lesser opponent at the least based on their, you know, uh, 
miserable start to the season. So I would say if, uh, you know, as long as they're favorites, why are you playing any part of their passing game? They don't want to pass. That is their whole MO is they just want to grind Derrick Henry into the ground. They're telling you don't play their guys. I'm going to listen to them. Agreed. As far as sticking with this Giants team, there's another question in the chat. It's an overarching question, how we feel about Darius Slayton this week going against the 49ers. Now, I don't think the 49ers are any sort of formidable matchup at this point. They're they're yeah. down Richard Sherman. They're down Solomon Thomas. They're down Bosa. There's so many players that are hurt on this 49ers team that their defense is just a, a shell of what it once was last year when they made it to the Super Bowl. Now, this game environment is still very bad. It's one of the lowest totals on the entire board. I believe it's dropped below 41 points as of the last time I looked at it. At the same time, San Francisco's favored by somewhere between three to four and a half points, depending on the book you're looking at. So the Giants do project a throw. The Giants are a team that's already running with a, a pretty decent pace. They've thrown the six most passes this year. They're running, excuse me, they're passing more than any other team in neutral game script at 70%. So I think without Saquon Barkley in the picture, you're just going to see this team lean on the pass. I would probably still be comfortable with Slayton at this point, but I'm feeling a little bit more tenuous about it. What do you think about Darius Slayton against the Niners? Yeah, I very much like Darius Slayton. I think he's proven that he's probably the number one offensive weapon this team has. Won't have an incredible target share, but should have a solid air yard share and should be pushing for team lead in in target share. Not only does Saquon Barkley and uh, Sterling Shepard's absences free up some targets, but specifically Barkley's, like you said, those those carries, I would imagine, don't all just straight go to Devonta Freeman or Deion Lewis, neither of whom I'm too excited about. They probably convert some of Saquon Barkley's carries into pass attempts. So that means even more targets on the table for a guy like Slayton. Matchup, I would say, yeah, the, the, the 49ers definitely not what they used to be because of the injuries. Still, I would say a tougher matchup and the total is a bit, it's a bit concerning. It's miserable. It's a 40 and a half point total. But if you've got a guy like Slayton, I would project him as, you know, a borderline wide receiver two, probably closer to that three range. He's a guy you can't really afford to sit right now unless you just loaded up on receivers. So he's probably at least a flex on every roster that currently owns him. Agreed. We're approaching 75, 100 viewers. Make sure you hit that like button. And of course, throw your comments into the chat. We will continue to siphon through them. We're getting a lot of questions about the 49er situation. There's a few either ors. There are some people just asking, can we break down the 49er situation? And I want to give the floor to Kyle on this. I saw him tweeting the other day. He had a phenomenal breakdown between the Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson usage. So I just want to open that up to you. What do you think about Jeff Wilson's usage versus Jarek McKinnon? Is there one you prefer? Yeah, Jarek McKinnon has had multiple multiple coaches on multiple teams at this point in his career. I believe 63 total games, including playoffs, has zero games above 20 carries. Jeff Wilson, on the other hand, has largely been used as like as a special team or a backup, even inactive at points. But he's got 19 career games, one game over 20 carries. It's clear that one of these guys is I don't want to say a gadget player. I don't want to disrespect McKinnon, the incredible athlete that he is like that. But he's essentially like fun Giovanni Bernard. And Jeff Wilson might as well just be Raheem Mostert, like, you know, UDFA borderline practice squad level player that has some juice when he gets on the field. He can get it done. And last year, I think it was even last year through a handful of weeks, he was like leading the NFL in like red zone looks. He's a guy who they're not afraid to give the ball to when it counts. So I would say I am absolutely on the Jeff Wilson train. Maybe if for some reason the 49ers, and I guess, you know, if they have tough matchups coming up, they could be underdogs given that Jimmy Garoppolo is out. But as long as they're favored, 
Jeff Wilson is the guy who I see getting the work between the tackles and Jarek McKinnon. Sure, his carries get bumped up, but I don't think he just assumes some sort of, you know, carry heavy role. I think he is still relegated to pass catching with mixing in on some third down rushes. We saw last week, he, he still looks like he's got like he's got that speed. He converted, I believe it was third and 31, which is insane. But also they still only gave him a handful of carries. I'm going to bet on Jeff Wilson as the guy who leads the team in carries. And when you play the Giants as favorites, I'm going to run with that between the tackles role as opposed to McKinnon largely being a pass catcher. I agree with that. I mean, we're talking about McKinnon who he missed two years. It's not like this guy is a clean bill of health. Do the 49ers really want to throw him out there for a hundred percent snap share and give him the lion's share of the load, especially in a game against the giants? I think not. And then you, you touched on the history. I think that is pretty clear, but I, before we move on, I just want to point out to you guys, if you have start sit questions, of course, throw them in the chat right now, but if maybe you're not watching live, maybe you're catching this after the fact. Right now, today, Friday, the NFL projections are free on Osmo.com. This is a great way to just break your tiebreakers. Maybe it's a super close decision between two guys. Could be It could be the 49er situation, could be anyone else. Check the projections. It is a great way to just help break ties. We also have MLB ownership projections free today. A lot of good stuff over at Osmo.com, so make sure to check that out. There is more questions from the chat. Hayden Hurst versus Noah Fant. What do you think about the two tight ends here? I, I tend to lean on that really solid opportunity share with Hayden Hurst at this point, but I, I could see an argument for Fant. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that the offense obviously is in favor of Hayden Hurst, and I generally don't want to be playing guys who play for Denver now dealing with the backup quarterback situation, but the opportunity share is there for Noah Fant, and he was like miles away, a more talented pass catcher than Hayden Hurst. He's just a more talented overall player, comes in the NFL as a first-round pick. I mean, so does Hayden Hurst, I guess, but also one of the worst first-round picks I've like ever seen. He was like 27 when he entered the league. He didn't have great – he didn't have good like market share numbers coming out of – I think it was one of the – bad sec schools and then he gets traded for a second round yeah he was like he's converted was he a pitcher i don't know he's converted baseball player yeah dude he he gave it a go in the minors and didn't make it so he went back and used his eligibility on football and balled out he was on the same team as debo yeah i like he didn't have great market share numbers he he didn't do anything he got beat out by i believe a fourth round pick in mark andrews who was a good prospect in his own right now hasn't come in and set the world on fire or anything for atlanta i'm gonna lean on talent we've seen it time in time out the, the quarterback situation wasn't good last year for Noah Fant. he was absolutely fine was extremely explosive and really all he does is play wide receiver like he's not a he's not a a notable blocker he's just going to play wide receiver as much as i do prefer the offensive situation for hayden hurst like i would say no fan miles away a more talented player and he'll have better market share numbers which also should help close the gap between the offenses agreed i i, I like hurst there it's it's a tough decision for me personally but yeah i do agree with what you said uh, fear money entertainment in the chat says thank you for the wilson advice i love you guys that's the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me thank you i've never much. heard that in my life yeah thank you kyle and i are not used to that kind of compliments but more questions it seems like a lot of people are rostering evan ingram and a lot of them are not happy with his production to this point <laughs> we have a full ppr league it is evan ingram versus tj hawkinson we touched on evan ingram quite a bit I'll give you my take. It is Evan Ingram still over Hawkinson. And to touch on Hawkinson specifically, he is similar to a player like John o. Smith. He has box score production, which people like. And I, I think it influences decisions maybe more than it should. But he's a guy that has just nine targets, a 13% target share. And like John o. Smith, he's only running a route on 62.4% of Matthew Stafford dropbacks. 
Now that Kenny Galladay is back, maybe that efficiency increases, but I don't think you can really make the argument that his routes are going to rise. They're adding another playmaker to the picture, and he wasn't even running routes when Kenny Galladay was off the field. I don't know what's going on with Hawkinson and his opportunity. Yes, he's done fairly well so far, but it's pretty clear to me that Evan Ingram is the better play in that situation. What do you think between Ingram and Hawkinson? Yeah, you said it. We have seen Hawkinson without Kenny Galladay really serve as this complimentary piece to to Quintez Cephas. I don't know, man. Like, uh, you know, to Quintez Cephas and Marvin Jones. That can't, like, it can't be a good thing that Kenny Galladay is coming back and soaking up targets. Absolutely, I, I would not be trying to start TJ Hawkinson. And I, I like Hawkinson as a talent. I love these young athletic tight ends. I love these young Iowa tight ends specifically, apparently. So I like his athleticism. I thought he was incredibly productive in college and came out as an awesome athlete. Then he gets the draft capital. But until he gets the target share, until he runs the routes that are deserving of starting him, I'm not going to be starting him as soon as Kenny Galladay is back in the lineup, which does appear to be this week, week three. So, yeah, I'm not not awfully excited about Kenny, or TJ Hawkinson this week, unfortunately, because I like the player, but I don't like how he's being used at all. Give me all the Evan Ingram in that situation. Yeah. Before we move on to streamers, that'll be our next topic. Of course, throw your questions into the chat. That is the main focus of this show. But we'll hit on streamers. Before then, I want to tell you about Yahoo. Today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV uploads and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Great product they have going on over there. A fantastic site to play on every single week. Now, talking about the streamer conversation, we've hit on a lot of these guys already, but there are matchups I think we want to exploit. And there's a couple that have players that might be available on your waiver wire that you can pick up this very week. One really, this is going to sound probably like the grossest thing I've ever suggested in my entire life, but it's one hypothetical situation I want to point out. You talked about Deshaun Watson in a tough matchup, disappointed, I think largely based on where you drafted him this year, and he's going against that Pittsburgh defense. Am I crazy for considering a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, who's widely available on waivers over Deshaun Watson, or think of it as any similar situation, QB in a tough matchup, looking at Teddy Bridgewater. What do you make of this call? Yeah, I don't think you're crazy. I also saw, I saw people talking about, unfortunately, I saw people talking about going Gardner Minshew in what was supposed to be a good game environment. I guess it was a good environment he was losing. Talking about going Gardner Minshew over Deshaun Watson, you can certainly consider playing Teddy Bridgewater, Justin Herbert. Until Deshaun Watson shows that he can cut it without DeAndre Hopkins, and certainly the matchups have been difficult, but there's no change this week. Maybe the most difficult matchup against against Blitzburg. I, I'm not sure I'm confident starting him if I think I can get it just one week, one good week out of Teddy Bridgewater in a solid game environment versus the Chargers, a reasonable total in this game. I think you're not crazy for considering doing it. I would probably... I think I would still take Watson over Bridgewater and I would maybe take Herbert over Watson, but those that, that tells you where we're at with Deshaun Watson right now that we're considering, do we stream guys over him? Another guy you could consider is Joe Burrow. Like even like Mr. Trubisky in a great matchup, I'm not going to them, but it's a conversation to have. I think I'm still taking Watson over everyone, but Herbert who I'm kind of excited about, but they're all in that same mix. Unfortunately, until Watson either beats a good matchup or I guess beats a bad matchup or gets a good one, you have to look at the wave wire and see what your options are going to be. All right. So Watson is this bona fide stud at the position. While we're on the topic of streamers and specifically the quarterback position, I want to give you a different hypothetical. I, I've seen Matthew Stafford 
publicized a lot of places this week. I, there's some really good stats about Arizona limiting the plays per game for their opponents. I believe in the first two games, just based on the way Arizona plays, their opponents have only been able to run 60 and 61 plays per game. So we have a guy like Matthew Stafford, of course, he doesn't come with the same pedigree as a Deshaun Watson. He definitely doesn't make the plays on his legs that Watson makes. Are you considering benching maybe a Matthew Stafford for a Justin Herbert type? I would say in terms of, uh, I think maybe, um, yeah, I'm going to say I'll take Stafford over him. I think Stafford getting Galladay back, I was, I was really torn because I don't want to bench Deshaun Watson, but like he's shown in two weeks that it, it doesn't look good with DeAndre Hopkins out of the lineup and the matchup certainly isn't going to be there. And Stafford is undoubtedly right now more talented. I, I think we can safely say he's more talented than Bridgewater probably more talented than what we've seen from Herbert in one game, you know, maybe Herbert ends up being better, but he's got all the weapons you could possibly want. He plays in a game where certainly Arizona limits their opposing team's plays, but I would imagine that if they're going to score points, that means that we at least see all of the plays or a lot of the plays, obviously, that uh, the Detroit runs will probably be passing plays. So I'd imagine, although the play volume comes down a little bit for them because they're able to chew clock so well, that the passing volume is, stays at a reasonable rate for Detroit. It really, the match just makes me not want to play any one of their running backs and a bit hesitant on their passing game. But the matchup is so much better. Stafford is still quite talented. He gets a better weapon back. I'm going to say it's Stafford over Watson for me. And I actually have kind of talked myself into feeling pretty comfortable in that, unfortunately. Hey, man, I don't hate it for sure. That's a fantastic game environment. And you touched on some good points there. At the quarterback position right now, we don't really have a lot of injuries that are forcing you yet to hit the waiver wire. Of course, no buys. So it's not like you're streaming a ton of quarterbacks at this point. It's really just Garoppolo and then maybe a few players that have really underperformed. I mean, you probably weren't drafting a guy like Kirk Cousins very high in your drafts anyway. So I think largely QB, you're probably sticking with what you drafted. As far as some other positions, I mean, like running back, there's a case to be made for some guys that are available on waivers. And we've touched on a lot of the replacements. We've touched on the San Francisco situation. We've, we've touched on Mike Davis. I have an interesting hypothetical for you. And instead of playing one of those guys, Deion Lewis, Devontae Freeman, Mike Davis, you know, the San Francisco guys, what do you think about playing maybe a, a Chase Edmonds over someone in that situation? If we, we look to the Arizona situation, of course, Kenyon Drake is the locked-in starter. Many of the guys we've talked about that are assuming that lead-back role, I think, aren't guaranteed to see that production. With Arizona, they're a team running an immense amount of plays, 75 and a half plays per game. So far, they're 55% pass. But as far as Chase Edmonds, he's actually spelled Kenyon Drake on a fair number of plays. He's running around on 37% of Kyler Murray dropbacks. He's not a guy that's going to get you 20 touches, but in a flex spot, if you're in a pinch and maybe you had a, a Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, I kind of don't hate it in a game that's projected to have a ton of points and a ton of plays. What do you think about maybe a 1v1, one of those backs assuming a, a lead back role versus a, a Chase Edmonds who is still a 1B to Kenyon Drake's 1A? Yeah, yeah. Like you said, I don't think the like Kenyon Drake has really seeded a ton of like market share numbers to chase Edmonds. It's more that they run so many plays that you're, you can't play Kenyon Drake 70 times. And you don't want to play any players 70 times in a game, especially a running back. Who's probably doing something he's either carrying running route or blocking on every single play. So I would say chase Edmonds would fall still below Mike Davis, still below, I would say below both Rams backs for me and below Jeff Wilson. 
I'd probably put him in the tier of Deion Lewis, Jarek McKinnon. I would have been excited about Deion Lewis, but the presence of Devonta Freeman makes this so meddled that I would take him, I'd say I'd take him over Jarek McKinnon. He's probably going to play just the same role as Jarek McKinnon in a game environment that is loads and loads better with this Arizona-Detroit game over the 49ers game. So I'll take him over Lewis. I'll take him over McKinnon. He's a deeper play, but I mean, if you have some teams where you went, you know, I you know I have some teams where I went zero RB. He is a legit starting consideration for me, along with guys like McKinnon. I'd take him over McKinnon. I'd take him over Lewis. I'd put him right in that tier of like Daryl Henderson. Oh, dude, I think I'm going to have to start Chase Edmonds in a league. Nice. So I'm in, I'm in one really high stakes league, and here were my backs. Saquon, Tevin Coleman, Cam Akers, and then after that I drafted guys like Boston Scott, Chase Edmonds. So you better believe – I have some Chase Edmonds starting in a high stakes league in it, man. I, I don't feel great about it, which is kind of why I wanted to get your, your take on the situation. As far as some other streaming positions, wide receiver, this is one I think teams are going to have to consider streaming. And it's not so much. There's a lot of injuries. It's just the players we mentioned at the top on standby Devonte Adams, Julio Jones, these guys are going to be on standby. They might not play game time decisions. We legitimately don't know. So in those situations, there are wide receivers on the waiver wire I think you you want to take a look at. And Andy Isabella's one. We touched on him a lot. I think another guy you could potentially look at with an ascending role, a sneakier play, is, is someone like T. Higgins. Someone in an unsettled situation who's seeing an ascending snap share, ascending target share. Auden Tate didn't play last week, and it looks like John Ross has been relegated to the bench. It's a really nice game. And playing for the team that passes more than any other raw pass attempts that is in the NFL. What do you think about T Higgins? I think some other players that fit this bell could be like a, a KJ Hamler, you know, just, just someone that you could potentially have on standby that might see a larger workload than we are anticip initially anticipating. Yeah, my only concern with T. Higgins is that unless he's going to play all the snaps as number three receiver, he could still cede a little bit of work to John Ross. Obviously, he falls behind AJ Green and Tyler Boyd on the pecking order could even end up falling behind like a Drew Sample, who I think is a, a very solid tight end flyer to pick up if you need to stream tight end. We have some tight end injuries. George Kittle, there's concerns that he might not play because of the, the MetLife Stadium turf. So I would say Drew Sample is a guy you could pick up. I would be looking to him over T. Higgins, who right now I think at best comes in as a number three team on a very pass-heavy offense, but also not the most efficient offense by any means. I think one other guy that actually comes to mind Traquan Smith led the team in week two in receiving snaps, uh, second on the team in targets, only behind Alvin Kamara, number one on the team in air yards. And obviously he's the perfect contingent play over a guy like Devontae Adams. Like you basically can just roster both of them and swap it once that game, uh, once we get inactives. Same thing with Michael Thomas, although it is it seems 90% plus that Thomas doesn't play. So you can just play him for that now. If Smith is available, I actually think Traquan Smith is a really sneaky ad. Probably got picked up in a lot of leagues last week after Michael Thomas was announced out, but I'm sure he's still available in some and a guy that you have to consider, especially in a sick game environment versus Green Bay. I actually like that call. I think people may have soured on Traquan Smith after the semi-disappointing performance in the prime it's just game. Yeah, and so we'll keep answering questions. I see a few rolled in here as we as we speak, and then we'll get to players we want to bench. But before we do, I want to talk to you about Osmos express pass additions we've added some great new tools to our nfl express pass users for only 3.95 you can purchase an nfl weekly express pass which now includes everything you need for nfl showdown and single game contest formats you can now access awesome showdown single game player projections ownership projections and top plays tool when you purchase this pass in addition to player rankings lineup builder lights ownership rankings and the top stacks express tool 
It's our best offering ever for an express pass. So head over to awesomo.com backslash join today to purchase your 395 NFL express pass. Really can't stress how great of a deal that is. You get all of the tools that Alex Baker, Osmo himself, uses and creates to take down all of those huge GPPs. You're not going to find a better steal on the market. Now, we're going to get into some players we want to bench, but I realize I missed some questions from the chat. It looks like Andrew might have missed our Mike Davis, Leonard Fournette discussion in full point PPR. So I'll kind of recap briefly. Mike Davis would be the pick for both of us. And as shocking as that is to say, he's a guy just seeing an immense target load in that Carolina backfield on a team that projects to trail. Uh, Bobby Meets World has a, a wealth of riches on his hands right now. He's debating between AJ Green or Julian Edelman in it looks like a flex, full point PPR. Like, congrats to you, Bobby, for drafting that well. For me, it's going to be Julian Edelman, actually. And normally I would say AJ Green in a situation like this, but your team is like so good, you have to make these decisions. Julian Edelman, I mean, he has a near 30% target share. He's actually being used downfield. He's ninth in air yards right now. Nick, I mean, AJ Green has a lot of peripheral stats that are really nice too, as far as air yards and, and targets himself. We've just seen more inconsistency out of AJ Green at this point, which is why I'll give the edge to Edelman. What do you think between Green and Edelman? I mean, both are great plays. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it is green is not a, a bad play by any means getting a ton, you know, league leading amount of air yards. And if it were a decision between him and, and maybe the number two in, in New England, Nikhil Harry, much closer of a decision. But I actually feel fairly confident that if Julian Edelman is going to see a very high target share like A.J. Green and a similarly high, maybe not quite as high amount of air yards, but a similar amount of air yards. I'm just going to bank on the fact that we've seen Julian Edelman produce and we haven't seen A.J. Green produce. The volume is there for both, but the production has only been there for one. I'm going to side with that production, obviously. I agree 100%. It's not much of a question. Um, so as we as we segue into who do we bench, we got a really good question in the chat that's the perfect segue for this, and it's about Emmanuel Sanders. It, it kind of mirrors the Traquan Smith question. Will Emmanuel Sanders be able to bounce back in this offense? I think right now the Saints, they don't look great as an offense, but basically we have Jared Cook. We have Traquan Smith and we have Emmanuel Sanders. I still think Emmanuel Sanders at least has a solid shot to lead this team in targets in the absence of Michael Thomas. Do I feel good about it? No, not really, but I just don't know who outside of Camara is going to be the locked in pass catcher for this team. What do you think about this, this Emmanuel Sanders question? Do you think he bounces back? Yeah, I'm, I'm doesn't sound like him as high on, Emmanuel Sanders as you are. Last <laughs> I don't know about Cullen High. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's a guy who is a fringe rosterable player. If you're going to see Traquan Smith get run over him, obviously Alvin Kamara is essentially going to run as this team's pseudo number one receiver, led the team in targets last week, you know, a la Aaron Jones doing the same thing with Devontae Adams out. That's already two guys you can fairly confidently, I'm not 100% sure Traquan Smith is going to be the one, but he was last week and he has a ton of upside. Now you're looking at a number, potentially three receiver. Drew Brees hasn't played great, so it's not like you're getting a ton of guaranteed production on the Saints offense at this point. Jared Cook as well. I see him as at best a number three, potentially number four receiver on an offense that I'm not selling out on the Saints, but I'm certainly not as confident as I was last year. So for me, I think Sanders, I'm probably not trying to start him. I honestly, I'd consider starting guys like Hamler and Isabella over him. He falls into that like T Higgins range where I'm like, yeah, I see the upside, but the the target totem pole doesn't look great, you know, stacking him pretty low. And the offense isn't perfect anymore as it used to be with the Saints. To your point, Emmanuel Sanders has been 
atrocious since he even if we go back to last year he hasn't seen more than six targets in a game since it was something like week 14 of last year and that includes playoff games so Sanders has not been utilized by two separate offenses now as far as some other players we want to bench we we've touched on a lot of the tight ends already not seeing maybe as large of a role as we thought they would John Smith and TJ Hawkinson but I do think there are still some some Chris Herndon owners out there very upset after he was projected for a large workload in week two given the absence of Jamison Crowder, given the fact that Brashad Perriman got hurt. My question is, are you ever playing any Jets? No, God, no. I can't, like, so let's say my team had Devontae Adams, Cortland Sutton, uh, you know, had uh, Michael Thomas, Kenny Galladay's going to be back, so I don't even know. If I had drafted, like, all the all three of those guys in the first few rounds, I still feel like I can find a KJ Hamler. I can find an Andy Isabel. I'm starting all of these guys over every single Jet I mean, if I had George Kittle and Jonu Smith, I'm still taking Jonu Smith. I don't love Jonu Smith. He's a guy who I'm not excited to start because we talked about him earlier. The offense isn't conducive. He's still on a better offense, I would say, even if the the passes are going to be maybe in favor of the Jets. There's just no reason. The Jets are both inefficient. They're not like they're not like fun, bad like Cincinnati are. They're just bad, bad. They have one of the worst head coaches in the NFL. Sam Darnold looks, I don't want to say lost. He made he made one really nice throw to Braxton Berrios. But generally speaking, he just hasn't doesn't seem to be able to make a ton of big plays. There is like no reason. There is just no reason to be starting Jets. There are so many available players out there. Your Traquan Smiths, your Andy Isabellas. You know, you could look at some of the 49ers receivers. Brandon Ayuk may be available, steps into a bigger role. I'm not playing any Jets. No Jets on any of my teams. Frankly, you can probably cut all of your Jets except for the guys who are right now hurt. Well, Kyle, I don't know if you saw this, but Adam Gase came out and said that if they start executing the plays that are called, things will start to turn around and they'll start winning games. Sick. Nice, nice. Good job throwing your team under the bus, Adam Gase. I'm sure they're the problem. Couldn't be his fault. All right, another, another flex question here. Deshaun Jackson or Antonio Gibson? For me, it's Deshaun Jackson. I, I love Antonio Gibson long-term. I think if you have Antonio Gibson on your roster, stash him. Don't trade him. Don't drop him. Don't do anything. Stay put. Antonio Gibson, his days are coming. Right now, the opportunity share for him is still a little unsettled. What we saw from him in week two was positive, but Deshaun Jackson is the locked in wide receiver one right now. I notice I say wide receiver, not pass catcher. I, mm-hmm. I do think he's behind Zach Ertz. I do think he's behind Dallas Goddard, but this is a team that is throwing at the second highest rate in neutral game scripts right now. Deshaun Jackson, I think he'll be the biggest beneficiary of this running more routes. That's on the uptick since week one. He'd be my play there. What do you think between Deshaun Jackson and Antonio Gibson? Yeah, I agree. We've seen, you know, Deshaun Jackson, number two in, in the NFL in air yards, I believe, depending on how you chart your air yards. And uh, Antonio Gibson basically has one week uh, of being used as a fantasy viable back. I'm going to lean on knowing that Deshaun Jackson is his team's wide receiver one in a game that they are favored, whereas, you know, Antonio Gibson plays on the Washington football team. I don't want to I'm trying to avoid playing them as much as possible. I still think Logan Thomas is a, is a viable streamer if he's out there and you're starting Terry McLaurin if you have him. But I don't feel great about them, whereas I actually do feel, I don't know, Carson Wentz looks terrible, but also he has a history of being a good quarterback. Our prior should be strong enough that he can bounce back to some extent from this. I'm going to take the wide receiver one in Philly. That makes a lot of sense. And there's actually something that you touched on in that sentence I want to bring up. It's, it's actually a great segue for our who do we bench topic. <laughs> Terry McLaurin, we have him going against a Cleveland secondary that hasn't quite shown, I don't know, an elite track record so far, but they're getting back two of their starters in Kevin Johnson and Greedy Williams. This could also be a discussion with a guy like Stefan Diggs, who's slated to face Jalen Ramsey. When we have our wide receivers in these elite shadow matchups, 
Is there a chance you're benching either of them? In this situation, we could talk about McLaren. We could talk about Diggs. I'll just give you the floor with this scenario. Yeah, I'm not really considering benching, you know, uh, Diggs or, or Brown because of the matchup, because the game environment looks like it should make up for what is certainly a difficult matchup. If I had like a, a really low, like a who has like a bad receiver one? I, I don't I don't mean to disparage T.Y. Hilton like this. Hilton is a guy who maybe I'd consider benching against a tough matchup, but he doesn't have a tough matchup this week. If there are receiver ones who I'm not sure they can get it done, I just don't think are that talented. Um, yeah, the, like the 49ers don't have any receivers worth playing anyways, but maybe I consider benching a lesser talented receiver in a tough matchup. But generally, like I'm just sold on Stephon Diggs being a supreme talent. I am absolutely sold on Terry McLaurin being a supreme talent. And the cornerback matchup, while difficult, I don't think we'll be able to completely shut them down. Like we saw Amari Cooper do fine because he got a ton of targets against uh, Jalen Ramsey. Even, you know, Deshaun Jackson and the tight ends all got their volume as long as you were paying, playing in a PPR league. They did fine. So I would say the matchup, it would concern me against lesser players, but Diggs and McCorn are simply not lesser players. They're supreme talents at the receiver position. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I, I want to just stress, don't get cute with your lineups. If you have your elite alphas in tough matchups, just play them. Volume is still going to trump everything yes. else. From the chat, Sage grabbed Robbie Anderson off waivers, it looks like. There's a debate. Should he play Robbie Anderson over the likes of Mike Evans or Keenan Allen? For me, it's a no. I love Robbie Anderson. I think he's in a great spot without Christian McCaffrey. With that said, Mike Evans and Keenan Allen are bona fide studs at the wide receiver position. I don't think you're you're making that switch. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, as our as our resident uh, Carolina stan, if you're saying don't play Robbie Anderson, like that should be a very clear sign that like don't get too cute. Robbie Anderson, sure, in a good spot. Mike Evans is always in a good spot because he's Mike Evans, and Keenan Allen is always in a good spot because he's Keenan freaking out. And don't bench those guys. Listen, guys, we have a few minutes left. We're going to get to bold calls. So if you have last-second starts and questions, throw those into the chat so Kyle and I can answer them. A lot of viewers right now, a lot of questions. It's fantastic. Make sure you hit that like button. It is the best way to support us over here. You're talking about Carolina, and we have bold calls to get to. So I think this is a great opportunity to talk about my particular bold call. It is DJ Moore, wide receiver one on the week. Teddy Bridgewater gets it done as a streamer. He's going to be a better streamer than the likes of Matthew Stafford and maybe some other fringe guys here. But more or less, DJ Moore without Christian McCaffrey. He's already seeing an immense workload near a 30% target share with McCaffrey in the lineup. I don't know where else they could possibly go for this team. They're projected to trail in a game that is projected to score a lot of points and run a lot of plays. The Chargers on the other side, sneakily, top five in plays per game. So my bold call is going to be DJ Moore, wide receiver one on the week, Teddy Bridgewater, getting it done as a streamer. What are you looking at for bold calls this week, Kyle? So I'll make a, I'll make a small addition to your bold call. I'm going to say Mike Davis, RB1 on the week. It, it all seems to be there for Mike Davis in terms of the passing volume, the game environment. But I'm going to go a bit off the board here and go with Andy. Andy Isabella, top 24 wide receiver, holds in at least one long ball for a score, and he's a guy who is going to be one of the more expensive players in your fab budgets, leaving week three, top 24 wide receiver from Andy Isabella. I love the call. You don't have to tell me twice by Andy Isabella. People in the chat are pointing out the Chargers DBs are tough, and yes, they are. This is a bold call for a reason. I don't think having DJ Moore wide receiver one overall is going to be a popular take in the industry. A few questions did trickle in, so we'll get to these quick. Go for it. Jerry Judy or Robbie Anderson in that situation is going to be Robbie Anderson. We just laid out the grease for, for Carolina's offense. 
We also have, so Kyle said he agrees. We have C.D. Lambert's Hollywood Brown. Props to you for your drafting, my friend. For me, it's going to be Hollywood Brown. Now, that game, that's a game that maybe we should touch on because it was the Monday night game, Chiefs versus Baltimore Ravens. To this point in the season, Baltimore has just waxed their opponents so badly that Hollywood Brown is not even playing a full complement of snaps, and that's the case for all of their major skill position players, with the exception of Lamar. He's even come out at the latter part of the game. Yeah, we've seen some we've seen some RG3, a little throwback there. So I think in a game versus the Chiefs that's projected for uh, is a point total above 50. We could see a full snap share out of Hollywood Brown. There's a chance the Ravens get down in this game just with as efficient as the Chiefs are. I, I do love CeeDee Lamb. I mean, we're making really, really tough decisions here. CeeDee Lamb is also in a fantastic game environment, but the decision's Hollywood. What do you think between those two, and what is a really, really tough decision? Yeah, I'm going to rely with the, the wide receiver one for Lamar Jackson as opposed to the wide receiver two for Dak Prescott. But it is, you know, like you said, props to you for, for nailing your draft at that point. I love both of these guys, but I am going to go with Marquise Brown. Maybe if the Chiefs had a matchup against, like, you know, the Jets where you're like, they're going to run 40 times a game. Lamar Jackson is going to throw two touchdowns on eight attempts. I'd be a, li- a little bit more concerned. But this game environment is just too incredible to pass up on Lamar Jackson's number one receiver. Agreed. We didn't touch on the giant situation. There's some calls in the chat that we hit on this quick. Basically, people are asking, how do we think Devontae Freeman will do? How much do we think Devontae Mm -hmm. Freeman plays? I don't have a good read on this. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think Deion Lewis actually being with the team for the entire offseason is going to mean a lot. And I think Deion Lewis is the guy you want to target if you're forced to play a Giants running back here. The situation's not great. We saw how Saquon Barkley did in the first two weeks of the year behind that offensive line. Granted, it wasn't tough matchups. But if if Saquon Barkley wasn't getting it done, how do we think Freeman and and Deion Lewis are going to do I'm skeptical. What do you think about the Giants' backfield? Yeah, the Giants' backfield is kind of a mess. I still expect because Devonta Freeman comes on a shortened week, whereas Deion Lewis has the full offseason, like you said, Deion Lewis ends up getting a, a pretty fair split of carries, probably between him and Wayne Gallman. But then he also gets a bit of a squeeze from Devonta Freeman, who looked terrible as a rusher last year, but still got it done. I think he topped 400 yards and a handful of scores as a pass catcher, which is really why we we're excited for Deion Lewis. So I think. You can you can start Deion Lewis this week because I still think he is a, a 1A or 1B as a rusher, and definitely the 1A is the pass catcher out of the backfield, but he's getting squeezed on both sides, and with Freeman in the picture, he's not a long-term play I'm looking for at this point. He has that upside, but the floor is essentially Devonta Freeman comes in and takes over a large workload as early as next week probably. Lewis falls into that Jarek McKinnon, maybe a little above McKinnon tier for me. Not a guy I'm excited about, but if you have to go to him, at least worth considering off the wire. Agreed. Well, listen, guys, thank you for all your questions today. We have, of course, the free awesome content right now. NFL projections free today. Make sure you check those out. If you have tough starts it questions, it can be a great way to use our tiebreakers. We also have a podcast network I want to tell you about. I don't think a lot of people know about this, but you can find all of our shows, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to them. So make sure to check that out for playback. And that'll do it for today. Thank you guys. Of course, he is Kyle Dvorak on Twitter at Kyle Tweets here. I am Matt Gajeski on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. We'll be back next week for another Start Shit Sit Show. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>